Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. Within this earth, said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and when he comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. And not just where you are. You begin where you are, but you begin to extend outward in concentric circles to your Judea, your nearby, and then to Samaria. So we begin to get into a little bit uncomfortable territory, and then the uttermost part of the earth. So mission describes my life. Mission is my life, and I am the product of mission, as you will hear. But a lot of what we see in God's work is premised, and by the way, I love the book of Acts. I'll I'll tell you that as an an aside. I love the book of Acts because it is what God's people did. It's not what God's people said. It's what God's people did. And I want to talk about two catalytic men and the two transforming incidents that took place in the book of Acts. Two catalytic men. One in the book of Acts chapter 3 and one in chapter 10. And I will call them the man at the gate, if you will permit me. I want to talk to you in the time I have this morning. I want to talk to you about the man at the gate. And then I want to switch gears just a little bit towards the end and talk about the man on the roof. But a whole lot of transformation, and churches are about transformation. Churches are about progress. Churches are about forward momentum. And anytime we lose the vision, anytime we lose the template of what God wants us to be, we can always go back to the book of Acts to these two men. When we want to understand church growth, when we want to understand the church momentum, when we want to understand churches being catalytic, in reaching the world in the way that God said, reach the world, we look at these two men. The first one is the man at the gate, and his story is found in Acts and uh, chapter 3. We know it very well. Verses 1 to 10 talks about how Peter and John are going up to the temple, and verse 2 a lame man from birth was being carried and placed at the beautiful gate. In verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go in, he asks to receive something for them, from them. And, and Peter and John looked upon him. But in verse 6, Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so he took him up by the hand and he, he walked. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Verse 8. Verse 8. And leaping, he stood and began to walk. 
and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Verse 9 is pivotal. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that through your servant this moment, you will speak and that we will hear. And that today's word will be transformative and catalytic to catapult all who hear this word into a new and exciting dimension of serving you and reaching lost people through Christ. Amen. I did say that these two men are catalytic. I did say that these two situations or moments are transformative. It's amazing to me, and the first thing that hit me, that hits me, and I will share with you a number of things that just jump out to me as I read the scripture. It's amazing to me that the people that we need to minister to are so reachable. The people we need, my friends, to minister to, the people that God has called us to minister to, are very reachable. As I read these words, I, I, I imagine, and I'm very imaginative, I hope, I, I imagine the scene, God's people daily going to worship God. God's people daily entering the temple. God's people daily maintaining their routine. God's people daily satisfying the boxes of the status quo. And there is a man that they need to reach, and he's not afar off. He's right at the gate. God's people are positioned to reach people, to minister to people who God has made so reachable. So that's the very first thing. When we see him lame from his birth, being carried, laid daily at the gate of the temple, called beautiful, he is in position. He is positioned. He is there, and they can see him. They cannot ignore that a man is placed there. You are going to worship God daily. He is right at the gate. He is the last thing that you see before you enter into the place of worship. And I don't know as I bring these words this morning how God will trouble your heart about those who are Within your ministry reach. And it's all well and good. And I commend the efforts to reach across the world. And I have been so impacted by the reach of God's people that my life has been transformed by that reach. 
But Christ, when he was drawing this concentric circles or the concentric circles of reach, he did not begin with the uttermost parts of the world. He began with where you are. And he said, first, reach those where you are. Reach your Jerusalem first. I want you to reach the uttermost part of the world, but get some traction in reaching your Jerusalem. I don't know that I have the liberty to say some of the things that stir in my heart. But I, I am so challenged. I am so challenged. And I'm so rebuked. I am rebuked by these words. And it's all well and good to applaud the, the extensive reach. But, but at what cost are we ignoring those that are so reachable close to us? A son, a daughter, a loved one, a friend, someone in our workplace. May God touch your heart through these words. And may God challenge your hearts through these words to rethink those who are reachable who have not been reached yet. Let me move on. And it is also true that sometimes the, the opportunity that exists right before us for ministry, these opportunities are so often missed. I recounted, as I read through here, that every day, verse 2 is, is, is very insightful, verse 2. Every day, not occasionally, not once in a while, but every day he is before them. Laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And maybe a kind word every now and again. Maybe they notice him and maybe we'll pray for you when we get in the temple. I don't know. I'm speculating. I'm sure they could not have missed him. But somehow they did. And I asked myself, why? And the answer is rather troubling that sometimes... If we are not careful, our encounters with the ones we need to minister to are terribly peripheral. Surface, and we don't touch them in the area of their need and where we need to meet them. The people who need the grace, the people who need to understand forgiveness, the people who need to understand love. I'm not, I'm not talking about, about social um, giving. I'm, I'm not talking about social services. I'm talking about the spiritual encounter. I am talking about purposefully introducing Jesus into their situation. So this man is, is there where he is reachable, 
but the people are engaging passing by peripheral encounters. But I love what Peter and John, I love what Peter and John did. Looking at him, Peter said in verse 6, in verse 6, Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have, I give you. I have no silver and gold. Sometimes we think we solve the world's problems through social services. Sometimes we think we solve the world's problem through um, our, our liberal giving. Sometimes we think we serve, I hope I'm not crossing a line to say this, and if I cross a line, forgive me. But sometimes we think the answer to solving the world's problem is through welfare. Just forgive me if I cross a line there. And while all of these things have their place, while the silver and gold have their place, while the ministering through food and, and through other social programs, notice I say social programs, while these things have their place, there is something that, that is much more fundamental that even those who clamor for the welfare and the social program, there's a much deeper fundamental need. And our world's problem is not social, our world's problem is spiritual. And so in, in, in coining and recognizing it in, in, in language of, of the day, but if I reinterpret it, I will tell you what Peter really said. He said, silver and gold have I none, what I have I give you. He basically, he basically said, your solution is not going to be found in the welfare that I can give you, but your solution is going to be found in the truth of God that I will give unto you. There is a power, my dear friends, there is a transformative power in what you already have. In offering Jesus, in presenting Jesus to others, there is a transformative power in that. And so Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. What I have, I give you. And I asked myself, is it that God's people don't have that enrichment of spiritual endowment to offer people? Has it become easier to ameliorate someone's condition? Whether it's their living or their eating or their clothing or education or whatever, has it become easier to ease that situation? Are we more positioned and endowed and gifted and have the resources to influence that situation, but bereft of what is needed to influence their spiritual condition? But I believe, I believe that God has endowed each and every one of us through his spirit that while we can't give in other ways, we can give in the way that Peter gave. He said, what I have, I give unto you. And with confidence, he said, rise up and walk. 
often we diminish our own influence and often we, are, we belittle or we downplay our own ability to have influence. Influence for the kingdom of God. And we think perhaps that the great moves of God are set in motion by the preachers and are set in motion by the great Bible study leaders and theologians and evangelists when often, often the people in the pews are the movers and shakers for God. I appreciate that, amen. You have to believe that when the great moves of God will come, that they will not necessarily come to the preachers who articulate the word of God or the study leaders and the theologians who will dissect and exegete the word of God, but the great moves of God will come through the pew. That you, as a servant of God, you are already endowed with what it takes to make a difference. Silver and gold you may not have, but what you have, amen, what you have you should offer. What you have you should offer. And whatever spiritual endowment, may it be grace, may it be peace, may it be mercy, may it be love, may it be times of prayer, whatever you are positioned to do as a child of God, do it. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give. What you have, give. The mission of God is not executed merely by a mission trip around the world. I love that. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. The mission of God is not executed by a mission trip around the world. It is not merely executed in, in churches, whether it's in India or Pakistan or the West Indies, whenever you assist. The mission of God is when you give what you have to your near ones. And there is something that is counterintuitive to what God really is saying. And, and, and it just, I, I, I want to say, I so want to say duplicity. When we have people in our churches contemplating missions, contemplating affecting people around the world with their silver and gold and other things. And what they have, they are not giving to those near. Even within their own church community, there is forgiveness, Lord, allow me to say it, there is forgiveness that needs to be given. Give it. Even in your home, there is love and patience and kindness that needs to be given. Give it. Right across 
our towns and cities and community that are so messed up. That is, it is not going to be solved by the silver and gold. There is something that you have that is birthed in you by Christ of peace and compassion and tolerance for those who are not like you. It is beautiful. Silver and gold, you don't have what you have. You give. Let me move on. Because I see this so often. I, I, I see this so often in the scripture. There's a little boy. There's a little boy with some loaves and fish. And, 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 and the, the disciples come to him. And, 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 and they see it, what he has. And they go back to a report to Christ. And they, they say, we can't find anything. I mean, all we can find here is just a little boy. And all he has. Just some fish and some loaves. And Jesus said, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Let me use that. And I am here thinking, as I ask this question, what do I have to give? It is not so much the, the totality, the, quant the quantitative description of how much I have to give. It is more of a willingness. Will I give whatever I have so that God can use it? And Peter and John did not have silver and gold on the welfare of this world. And they offered what they had, spiritual gifting. And spoke words of confidence and hope to the man and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And that man, as we read on, that man... In verse 8, and leaping, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. It's amazing to me when you begin, you, you talk about church transformation, you talk about church energy, you talk about church growth. It is amazing to me when you begin to give what you have to the ones near you, how transformative that is in the life of a church. I thought I heard an amen somewhere. When you begin to touch the lives of those near to you, not necessarily those in the Caribbean, and, and thank you that the lives in the Caribbean are touched. I am not dissing that. I applaud that. But I'm talking about the totality of the picture. When you begin to touch the lives of your workmates, when you begin to touch the lives of your family by pouring out what you have of your grace and kindness and love and mercy and all of that, that's when those will walk into the temple with you, leaping and praising God. I believe it that there is a man at your gate. I believe it that there is a man at your gate just sitting there, waiting to be touched by something spiritual exuding from you. And when they are touched, they will come into God's house, walking and leaping and praising God. And the worship of churches across not only battle community, but across the landscape of God's churches, worship will be transformed by people walking and leaping and praising God because you have touched the man at the gate. I said there were two men that I need to talk about this morning. 
the man at the gate. But I also want to talk to you about the man on the roof in just a little bit. But before I talk to you about the man on the roof, let me tell you one last thing that happened because the man at the gate was ministered to. And in verse number 10, they recognized this man as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple who was asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Turn over to chapter 4 and verse 4. You know Paul Harvey? Uh, you know Paul, well, you don't know Paul Harvey. That dates me. No one knows Paul Harvey. But Paul Harvey used to say, and, and that's the rest of the story. Okay, well, good. Now for the rest of the story. Many of those who, verse 4, verse 4 of chapter 4. Many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. And that's not the end. Because of the transformative nucleus of this thing that is happening because of this one man that was touched at the gate. It creates a stir in Jerusalem that the Sanhedrin and the ruling council began to inquire. And they, they, they pulled the men in. I, I won't do all of it. They pulled the men in and questioned them what's going on. And they said, you be quiet. You do not speak anymore in this name. And, and, and they let them go and they got out and they preached even more. And Jerusalem was transformed. The churches need to get this. This historical record. Churches need to get it. That touching the man at your gate will lead to tens and scores and hundreds and thousands. Just touch one man. I have I have been the man at the gate for so often that you don't even know. You see me here standing and preaching the word of God. And it is because someone recognized, first of all, a little boy at the gate. Some 40 years ago when a Southern Baptist missionary, who at first, by the way, done this in his own house, came to St. Vincent and um, just did kindness to my family. At the time, our volcano erupted on the island and we had no water. And I tell this story wherever I go because it impacted me. And my mom said, well, prior to that, she had said, you will not go to that church. And I understood why. He has just started a church. 
in 78. The volcano erupted in 79, and my mom said, you will not go to that church. And um, uh, 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 let me say this guardedly, it had not so much the fact that he was a white man. Please understand that. It had more to do with the fact that the Jim Jones fiasco had just occurred in Guyana. And um, she was scared for her children, and she said, you will not go. And then after the volcano erupted, here comes this man coming up the hill. Knowing that we are not members, we are not coming to the church, but still ministering to us. Give us a bucket, a five-gallon bucket of water, that's it. And my mom, after he had left, my mom said, if that man can do that for us, then he can be trusted. You go to the church. I got saved. My sister got saved. My brother, the one you saw leading music this morning, that my brother got saved and saved. And all of us got saved. And we are ministers in various ways serving God's kingdom. Shortly after I got married, um, the Lord placed on my heart a desire to study for the gospel and to preach and I had no way and no means and God's people again saw a lame man at the gate who needed the input, who needed the love, who needed a family away from home and while I was executing my studies in Texas, God's family, Southern Baptists like yourself, invested in my life, the man at the gate. I went back home and I, after I finished my, uh, my uh, bachelor's, I did two masters. And then when I got back, I thought that was the end of it. And I got back home. I got a, a letter from a Dr. Roberts in uh, uh, Midwestern Baptist um, Seminary. Would you be interested in pursuing a, a doctoral degree on um, a, a Baptist scholarship? I'm like, why not? All my life, all my life, Baptist people, give God thanks for that. You have touched the life of this man at the gate. And it has, what has happened here in the book of Acts, that it has transformed the city. Believe me when I tell you that touching this man at the gate and not ignoring this little boy who became a young man, who became a grown man. By touching my life and investing in my life and taking time with the man at the gate, Baptist people have done what Peter and John did here in the book of Acts. And you have influenced a nation. I don't have the time to tell you today how God has leveraged your investment. Your investment. Whether it is through the Annie Armstrong, the Lottie Moon, or the Davis Given. How God has leveraged your investment in my life, this man at the gate. And has made it catalytic in a nation. Keep touching the men at the gate. 
One last thing I want to tell you is about the man on the roof. Now, his story, his, um, forgive me for being emotional, but um, that's, it means a lot to me that the man at the gate was not ignored. And say what you want about Baptist life and Southern Baptist life. I know that you have touched the man at the gate. The last story I want to share with you is from Acts in chapter 10. And, and, and this time we shift from the gate to the roof. There's a man on the roof in verse 9. And his name is Peter. The same Peter who was ministering to the man at the gate. And he has this vision. And something like a sheet descended from heaven with all kinds of animals, unclean. Birds of the airs and reptiles. And he heard a voice, verse 13, rise, Peter. Powerful. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. And Peter said, no, no, no means, by no means, Lord. I have never, never, I have never done anything like this. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, I think, before he got it. And the thing was taken up at once into heaven. And the rest of the story, Paul Avi style, is while Peter was perplexed, he got up and he went down. He met the men from Joppa. He went and the world has never been the same. You see what Christ, when he left the earth, and I, I, I end where I began in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when he said, the Spirit will come upon you and you will transform your Jerusalem. You will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the world. He never answered that question. How will it really happen? And the transformation in Jerusalem took place with the man at the gate. And I spent a lot of time in the sermon this morning Bringing your attention to home, your own home, your own classrooms, your own community, your own nation. Minister to those close to you. Give them what you have. But beyond that, now comes the reaching the uttermost parts of the world. And this man on the roof had a vision that was troublesome. It involved taking him out of his comfort zone. Hear me and hear me well. God sometimes will give a leader or the leader within you. God will give you something that will take you out of your comfort zone. God will give you something that could be potentially explosive. As he is now about to enter into um, some uh, tense race relations issues. Jews versus Gentiles. He is about to cross 
an ecclesiological line and a theological line. He is about to step into what God had forbidden. He was about to move into areas of discomfort. Into the unknown. He was beginning to move. He is challenged to move into an area where he might not receive the support of his own. And Peter, therefore, I'm closing. Peter, therefore, has a choice. Do I embrace the unknown? Do I embrace the uncomfortable? Do I engage in this tension? Do I risk alienating those that support me? Do I risk the encouragement and the closeness? Do I break relationships in order to enter into this new thing that God is showing me? And that's a smaller picture down in the weeds. But the greater picture from a higher level is God's mission of Acts 8 reaching the uttermost part of the world comes to this juncture where it is poised between failure and success. God has brought the church to the very precipice of moving into the new dimension. But it encompasses so much risks. Discomfort. And Peter on that roof, time and time again, heard Peter rise, go kill it. <laughs> and I wish that there be people in churches, and I know that God in Adairsville, God is calling people to begin. To embrace the uncomfortable. God is calling people to begin to contemplate the alienation that might come if you move beyond the status quo. I believe that there is a man on the roof here in Adairsville. I believe that there is a woman on the roof that God has given you a vision, but it's not a vision that will necessarily be applauded. It's a risky vision. It's a troublesome vision, and it is wrought with many issues that if you want, you don't want to rock the life of the church. You don't want to rock the life of your family. You don't want to rock the life of your community. You want to maintain. And the vision of the man on the roof is not to maintain, but to step out in a new direction. And Peter stepped out in a new direction. And the history of Christianity has been changed forever. And I say to you this morning, I have been, and I speak with an authentic voice of being the man at the gate. But I challenge you to be the man on the roof. And where God leads you. No matter how uncomfortable it is. No matter how challenging it is. No matter the risks involved where God is leading you to step out. If you go, you can change the world. May God's word speak to your hearts this morning. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. 
For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.